Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, and with me as always is the maestro of mail-order mysteries, Eddie Guevara. Today's returning guests on this Halloween edition are Dr. Roberto and Michael Mesmer. Gentlemen, how's it going tonight? Great. I'm so glad you asked me to come back. I don't think I really fit in, though. You don't have a place for a doctor on this show, do you? Absolutely. Oh, have, I'm sure there's a place for Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got all that, man. So, you know, tonight we're going to have a, a nice, because this is coming out, uh, a few days before Halloween. So we're going to talk some Halloween stuff tonight, but before we get into that, I want to let everybody out there know, Hey, we are on YouTube on house of the unusual and Eddie's always putting out some great videos. We got crypto classics reviews. We got Chuck's corner monsters in my backyard, tons of fun stuff on there. So almost every day we got new videos coming out. So make sure you check it out, subscribe to our channel and like the videos, man. And, Come back for more. Also, check us out on houseoftheunusual.com. We have a forum site there. You can meet some like-minded individuals, have some great conversations, and check out other people's collections. There's always tons of of videos going up, and I do have a spot on there for Crypto Classics. So when I give out this week's uh, movies, and I got a special one for for this week for Halloween week, uh, so you could go on there onto the form and you could let us know what you think about the movie, if you've seen it or if you're interested in watching it or not interested in watching it. And you could also let us know what movies, you know, you'd like us to uh, talk about on here. So speaking of that, we are going to get into real quick this week's Crypt of Classics. And I did it a little bit different this week because we are coming up on Halloween and everybody loves to watch monster movies during Halloween and you know for many of us that are our fans out there we've we've seen a whole bunch of them we've seen them all we don't know what to to get into during Halloween because we want to kind of make it special well don't worry because we at the House of the Unusual and Cryptic Classics we have got you covered so on this special Halloween edition of Cryptic Classics we look back at monsters we've known and loved with several classic horror movies from Universal Pictures so I know you guys have probably seen these. Everybody ha- has seen these. I mean, come on, man. If you haven't seen these ones I'm going to talk about real quick, you must be living under a rock or you must be stuck in the crypt, man. Get out and check these out, man, because you can find them online. You probably got them sitting around on DVD or VHS somewhere. But we're going to start off with one of my favorite movies, Dracula, 1931. Moving on to Frankenstein, 1931. Then The Mummy, 1932. The Invisible Man, 1933. The Wolfman, 1944. And finally, Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954. So we all know these monsters. We all love them. These movies are just over a little little bit over an hour, so not too long. You could probably knock out all six of them in one day, man. Just sit there with a big cup of coffee. You know, House of the Unusual on your phone so you could keep letting us know, you know, after each movie what you think of them. And, and I, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen them. Everybody's got their favorites, but man, these are, these are the classics. These are the classic monsters everybody thinks of when they're thinking about classic horror movies. So that's what we got for this week's Cryptic Classics, a special one. You got six movies to choose from. I'm going to challenge you guys out there to watch all six of them. So, Michael Mesner, we're going to start off with you. What's new with you? And you know what? I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite classic movie from the six that I, I listed there? Well, uh, they're all great. I do have a question for you, Joe, before I answer that, though. What does I Love Lucy and Dracula have in common? Ooh, I don't know. I've, I have stumped, to, I've stumped an expert here. I, I have to tell you, I'm not a, I, I, I was never a big I Love Lucy uh, watcher or fan. I, I do, I have enjoyed a few of the episodes, but I'm not too big with I Love Lucy. But I, I'm, I'm interested here. Yes, and even The Mummy and I Love Lucy, and also Dr. Caligari and I Love Lucy. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll give you a little insight. Can, can I get a hit? Can I get a try? Go for it. Lucy appeared in those uh, radio shows earlier, I believe. 
that's not that's not my that may be that's not that's oh. not um what i was searching for here but but i will tell you that carl freund who was the cinematographer on dracula and was the director of the mummy uh and was cinematographer on uh caligari well that's who lucy and desi wanted to bring in to direct uh to do the cinematography part of i love lucy because they were first it was the first uh, sitcom on film and that's why when you look at i love lucy just as when you look at dracula and the mummy he knew how to shade light and dark and make it really stand out. And that's why the Lucy shows still stand out so spectacularly today in contrast to many of the other sitcoms of that time, because Carl Frund, who was very central in all the horror films from the German expression era up through the mummy and Dracula, he was a central part of I love Lucy. Oh, nice. I, I never, never knew that. Like I said, I was never a big, I love Lucy fan, but I think I'm going to have to, uh, start watching that now and if i'm not mistaken carl front he also was on uh he was a director of metropolis too he was he was i think he was or cinematographer on metropolis yes Am I correct? Yes. yes with fritz lang yeah okay yeah. yeah thanks a lot joe for making me fail go ahead i'm gonna well, have to fail you may be right i don't know you may have stumped me who knows i'm but... gonna have to i'm gonna have to check out i love lucy now and and well, really pay I, attention to the the cinematography on well, it. You know, Carl, Carl Frunt had won an Academy Award for cinematography. He didn't want to do I Love Lucy, but they just really lured him in because they had this concept of using three cameras with film instead of uh, what they were doing at that time, which faded away. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he was, he was a, and without him, I Love Lucy probably would not be on TV today as far as reruns because it would have faded. Let me ask you a question, Mike. Didn't they say that Desi Lu had something to do with the double crime, that he brought that into the show? Desi did bring the, the triple camera, but it was it was Carl Frund who knew how to utilize those cameras and lighting to make it work. And Carl Frund designed the whole concept of having a set where everything was lit perfectly so that you can move from set to set without changing lighting for that this I Love was, Lucy show. This was the original black and white version, I Love Lucy. Yes. Mm-hmm. It actually was a pretty funny show because you had the two women were doing things together. Then you had Fred Mertz. He was like the straight man. And then you had uh, Desi was always, he was interesting. He was the movie star. Well, Desi was like a rock star because at that time, band leaders were the rock stars. And um, I don't want to get too far from our subject tonight, but I will tell you that uh, I met Lucy. I I did a show with Lucy Arnaz, Lucy, little Lucy, we called her. And then I also spent time in a car with Vivian Vance, Ethel, one time for about 30 minutes riding from a theater. So I I have a little background with all those folks, but that's for another show. But anyway, you were asking me my favorite of those movies. Well, you know, the thing is, they're all great. Um... And uh, for me, Dracula with Lugosi will always be the, my favorite because what was beautiful about it was, of course, you can't beat Lugosi. Now, that film without Lugosi may have not stood up as much as well as it has. But with Lugosi, he was just so magnetic and everything that it was just unbelievable. And what was interesting about that film, at that time, many theaters around the world, including in Europe, still had silent only silence. So they made that film. The reason you don't hear a lot of soundtracks on there is because that film was designed to work as a silent film or as a talkie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I really think that, you know, like you said, Legacy, he really made that film and he really made the uh the character because you know, if you compare that film to the the Mexican film version right. that, that filmed at night, you know, the it, it was far superior to the English version, however, their actor, and I, I can't remember his name off the top of my I had Carlos Valeris. Yes, he, yes, he wasn't as good of an actor as the Galaxy. Now, could you could you just imagine? And I know somebody out there has to be able to, to try to do this is you put the Galaxy into that Mexican film version. Right. I mean, how, right. how beautiful of a picture. Would that be? I mean, with the technology today, there's got to be some way to do that out there. Well, you know, you could. And and but the thing about that other the the Hispanic version, which was nighttime on the same sets, that a lot of great things. But the the women were much sexier because the dresses were more amazing looking, the costuming because they then it was done in a South American sensibility. So it made that film so much more visually. Plus, in addition, they had visual effects like you know smoke with him appearing out of the coffin, things like that that were not in the Lego version so yeah there's a lot of positives about that but when you you know without Lugosi it's not Dracula in that era anyway yeah it would have been great to have George Melford direct Lugosi on on that film and and just to see what 
the product of that was because I, I tell you what, and if if anybody out there doesn't know what we're talking about and has never seen the Mexican version, definitely find it. I think you could find it on YouTube or usually when you when you purchase the the regular English DVD, yeah. sometimes they'll have the, the Mexican version on there. But watch that Mexican one. It is absolutely fantastic. Like Michael was talking about the, the special effects and just some of the 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 scenes that were the same as the English one, but they were more dynamic. The, they the were. They just was were more was dynamic. More movement. Yeah. Right. Um, where the English version was very, you know, kind of static, and it was like, well, you know, okay. But I mean, both both movies were abs- were visually beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, but, beautiful but, women, beautiful costumes, a beautiful set pieces. I oh mean, yes. You know, but Todd Todd Browning, who was directing that, wanted Lon Chaney, as you know. I'm sure you know this. And so the thing is, he, he died before they could do it. So they got Lugosi. But the problem is Todd Browning wasn't that engaged in it. So actually, Carl Frun did a lot. It's 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 said, it's legendarily said that he actually directed a lot of sequences instead of Todd Browning. You know, I, I, I was reading a, a book about, uh, it was, I think it was called American Gothic Dracula, Dracula in in film. And they had mentioned uh, Cheney. You know, as Todd Browning, like you said, has wanted Cheney to be in the film. Um, you know, that, that that's kind of interesting because I wonder how, you know, because if you talk to any kid on the street, you know, today and you ask him to do an impression of Dracula, they're doing the Legacy impression. Right. Doing the, oh, I want to drink your blood. You know, yes, that's coming yes. from Legacy. Now, could you imagine if it was if it was Cheney, what would be our perception of? of dracula to this day you know i, I kind of wonder what what cheney would have brought to the I, table for i that. don't think he would have brought that much to it because i think the accent is what made dracula what it is with Lugosi. yeah absolutely yeah i don't think cheney could have done that and the reason is because cheney was a man of a thousand faces he could change his face to anything he wanted so he did the phantom of the opera that stood in time yes when he has that thing but i don't know if him talking if he would have done that great justice to dracula i think bella Lugosi. I think even if he would have tried a, like a Hungarian type accent, I, I don't think it would have come through as well because, well, I don't you know, think like so. you said, he was more more of a man of a thousand faces, not a man of a that thousand That is correct, points. but you, what, what you guys have got to mention that's really important, and this is funny when Dr. Boyajian was saying Pop-Tarts and Star Trek, one of the things that those monster movies did for us as kids is, is phenomenal. I mean, in the 70s, you saw Lagozzi, you saw uh, Boris Karloff, all over everything from model kits from Aurora. Yes. To, I mean, every Pop-Tart that I remember, especially the cereal boxes from Honeycomb, when they put out those monster boxes, oh, yeah. those, that is phenomenal, man. That's what made the 70s so popular, I think. And let me tell you, you can't touch today, not even on eBay, any of those items. There was a, a special edition... Uh, I think we talked about this on an earlier show of uh, this is not too long ago of Dracula Bella Lugosi behind one of the monster cereals like Count Chocolate. Yeah, Count oh, yeah. Chocula. Those yeah. are doing seven hundred dollars for an empty box, and oh, Doctor Boyajian has an entire shelf full of them. Yeah, who would have kept <laughs> kept those boxes? Nobody in the world. Did. I did. Any did. The, <laughs> wait a minute, you kept the cereal boxes? Of course, I have over a hundred or more. Jeez. Listen, nobody in the world would have collected, saved that. Well, what, this is what I did back in 1983, 85. When I started with the mail order business, I reached yeah. out to uh, Post Honeycombs, you know, the Post Company. Right. And they put me in contact with the archives department. Right. And I remember I said, hey, in 1976, there was a cereal box that had a ro- you know record in the back. This And the guy goes, give me a minute. He goes in and I still have the original letter by from Post. And they sent me from their archives a photocopy plus the original box, which is so funny. Wow. So I have a mint box with the record in the back. And that's what, you know, Honeycomb, there was a four or five different records that were put out. Uh, I remember Bobby Sherman was on one of them. Yes, yes. He was, I think that was um, Cheerio, not the Cheerio. Honeycomb's had the most on those. Yeah, they did. Uh, and then in the mid '80s, they Honeycombs came out with a, a instead of like a record, you would buy the box. Inside, when you opened up the box, it would make a chilling sound, like it had this light-sensitive device attached to the top of the box, and it would go like. And I oh bought, wow! I actually bought four of those, and they're still actually working. But the best part is, you could send away for a cassette tape 
you know those Walkmans? Yeah. With a with a haunted house cassette on it, and I sent away for it, and I got it. Oh. Such a bringing back of the memory of the seventies. Now I've obtained every record from the seventies, but of course I bought them where somebody had cut them out already. I do have that now. That box, I'm sure. If I were to put that on eBay, I'm sure it would go over a thousand dollars because I've never. Oh yeah. Seen for an empty seen. box of cereal. For <laughs> an empty box of cereal. If you want, Doc, I'll give you the cereal if you want to try it. <laughs> you better not let your wife Maria hear this. You go and sell everything you have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, and, and that's what my my memories of monsters were yeah. in back of cereal boxes, in back of like like we were talking yeah. in a similar episode we had where Wonder Bread, especially in the Halloween time, they had this horror uh, cards inside. They used oh. to have baseball cards. You remember those? Right. Ones? Yeah. They used to have them inside um, Wonder Bread. And what was the other thing also? Um, I think it was, I'm not Cracker sure. Cracker yeah, cracker, no, cracker, cracker jacks. Always had, yeah, always had them. There was another thing oh. that had a toy inside. Um, I can't remember. Right Lucky now, but... Charms, maybe. No, no, no. All the cereal boxes had it, but there was oh. something else. I think it was the pop. Yeah, the pop tarts. Those are the ones. The pop tarts you open, and there was always a gift inside them. The pop tarts oh. started in the sixties, no? Right. Yeah, in the sixties. But that's the... the era of the monsters. It uh, was the biggest thing. Now, those movies you're talking about, because I grew up in the fifties and the sixties. They weren't around anymore. Nobody was watching those because they came up with new horror movies. That is correct. But in the 70s, yeah, one of the things that happened was that there was a resurgence because in, in the right. late, mid-60s, early 60s, Aurora Monsters, Aurora Model yeah. Kit, the leading, started introducing the monster line and brought back the monsters of Universal Monsters. Back you mean the plastic arts. model kits? Right. And then, of course, the movie. I'm sure you have the original movie. Oh, yeah. yes, I do. The legendary <laughs> movies. I have all the Auroras. Oh, but my the, God. The original movies that came yeah. out were Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. And they made Bella Lagos. Because the thing with Bella Lagos is when he was down and out, the last time he was called to do anything performance was in Abbott and Costello. And he was bought out of retirement. He wasn't doing too good. And Costello offered him the part. Boris Karloff turned down the part because he thought it was stupid to have a monster in a comedy film which right. later he regretted and he did it as the you know uh meet um dr jekyll and mr hyde he made appearances but i think it was a big regret and glenn strange took the part that basically made him a legend because i think most glenn strange collectibles are more expensive than boris Karloff today hmm. and, and that is due to the wow. fact of what happened now we want, there's a special tonight we wanted to bring, and I, I've been talking to Mr. M uh, Mike there, and he said that he's been doing some ghost hunting. But before we start that little segment, because Mike, I want to ask you concerning that, I want to ask you one important thing. Do you guys remember the movie Hold That Ghost with Abbott and Costello? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. That movie was only released in VHS, and they only released it on DVD in a, in a, in a set. They didn't release it individually in DVD because it was in 1943 when the movie was filmed. I think it was done right after Indy Navy or something like that. It was one of their very first films. One of my favorite parts of that film is when they're looking for Charlie, who had apparently been killed or kidnapped in the haunted house that um, Costello and, you know, Abbott and Costello had inherited. And they're in the basement and they're holding, uh, you know, Costello. He's shaking like really bad. And, and he had a candle that was blown out when he opened up a cupboard. And there were like two eyes in the cupboard. The candle gets blown out. And he saw, and, and then Abbott goes to him, Will you relax and stop getting yourself in a frenzy? And he says, who, who, Who's in a frenzy? He says, Somebody blew out the candle. He says, Oh, it was just the wind. And he goes, Since when did the wind eat garlic? Every time I watch that, uh. it's the best. That I think is my favorite Abbott Costello film. You, oh, you know wow. what, that you mentioned Abbott and Costello, just real quick, not to, to get off the, the subject of horror movies and all that, but this past weekend at Monster Bash, they had uh, the Tobias Jones story, which was a an episode of uh, on a wagon trail. And Lou Costello, he played this this kind of down and out drunk on it. And it was one of like the, the very rare times that he actually played like a, you know, not a a comedian but you know more of a dramatic character wow. i tell you what he was absolutely fantastic and if you guys haven't seen it, it's called the tobias jones story 
It came out in 1958, and he's it's it's about an hour long, and he's absolutely fantastic in it. I mean, you wow. would like yeah. you could look at him, and you're like, yeah, that's Lou Costello, but like in your mind, your mind's fighting you because you're like saying, well, he's not yeah. doing anything funny, you know, he's this this down and out drunk, and um, uh, Beverly Washburn plays Midge, who's kind of like like his little friend and she kind of, she's trying to help him sober up and everything. And, you know, he keeps disappointing her by going back to drinking. And then he's, you know, um, there's happened, there's a murder in the, the, the wagon um, party and he's blamed for it. So they're trying to, you know, that's kind of like the plot. They're trying to figure out who murdered this person, but like you, you will have, you know, if you've watched enough Abbott and Costello movies, you, you'll, your brain will start arguing with, with itself <laughs> because you're like, well, that's, that's Lou there, but it's, but that doesn't seem like Lou because he's not being, you know, funny and you know, you know, actually, really I comedic. Actually, so it, it's it's good if you guys have never seen it, man. He I plays actually that have excellent that movie, part. I think I had that movie. I purchased it like in a dollar store, one of those um, videos. Oh, yeah. So, you know what's funny when we mentioned that uh, we were talking about I Love Lucy, and it's funny that you brought that up, Mike. And you know, of course, Doctor Boyajin brought out uh, Star Trek. I was laughing because there's an episode, but it's actually unfortunate. I don't think it was Star Trek. I think it was Lost in Space, where an alien takes over the mind of everybody, like in a hypnotic trance, and everybody's like under the power. And I was laughing because I was thinking that, you know, it, it, you know, like Dr. Boyajin will reach out to Mike Mesmer on how to hypnotize his patients, that they should only come to him. <laughs> I was just thinking it was kind of funny, but I wanted to tell you guys, I was listening on the... On the computer, actually, if you go on the computer and you look up the radio shows of Abbott and Costello, there's one called The Haunted House. Yes. That's one that I Love Lucy appeared in, in a couple with Abbott and Costello. And let me tell you, they're really good, man. I had never really paid attention to a radio show before. And I heard the episode. And I'm like, that's phenomenal, man. It was I heard it last week, but it was really cool. And I, I, if you guys never damped into that, I think you should actually look into it because it's it's an interesting uh, thing that we never heard before. You know, you know, I, I, I don't think I've heard a lot of the Abbott and Costello shows. I, I have done, I have listened to a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like Dimension X, X minus, yes. all that. And you know, I, one of my absolute favorites was Boston Blackie. So I, I listened to probably all those ten times over. But I, I've never, I don't think, really got into the Abbott and Costello show. I'll have to go through my um, my recordings and see if I, I have any and find some, some well, you scary can... ones. But, yeah, I, I love old-time radio is great, man, especially this time of year around Halloween, man. You throw in one of those old-time radio ones with Boris Karloff or Vincent Price, man, and you can't go wrong. Well, you know, on XM Radio, they have Radio Spirits. And right now, if, if you go into the Radio Spirits and look under special shows, they have a bunch of really cool Halloween stuff, including Orson Welles' Dracula. Um, just really, really, back to our Dracula thing, but but it's really cool. And, and Vincent Price reading, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and a lot of great stuff. One thing, hey, you guys, real quick, speaking of, of um, Dracula, Mike, are you familiar with um, Chester Morris? Yes. Um, I just remember he when I was reading that book. I guess he was, you know, because I love Chester Morris. To me, that is the Boston Blackie. You know, especially yeah. when you played him yeah. in the '40s and on the, the early radio episodes. But yeah, he was up for um, the role of Dracula as well. Once when they couldn't, you know, when Lon Chaney wasn't available. So I think. I, I don't know how Chester Morris would, you know, because he has well, that that old tough guy look. I don't know how he would have. Joe, yeah, but, but and that's, remember, and supposedly you know, he was that, in he was in She Creature and he was an evil hypnotist in that. Do you remember that? Yeah, but supposedly in Dracula, that's the reason why they didn't um, they didn't select him for the role because he had that tough guy look and they wanted a more kind of like. Um, a womanizing, you know, look. Kind well, of yeah, they need. They, that's why Lugosi was so great ultimately because he was a sex symbol. Remember, Dracula was released on Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to tell you guys when you were saying that guy you just mentioned, I think he didn't take the part. I think he was asked, Joe, but he didn't take. Yes, it. no, that's but, right. But one thing you guys have to remember also, there was another show that many of you guys don't remember with Boris Karloff that was called The Veil. Yes, and what, and, and he goes where he goes to like a cave and he's in front of a fire. And he tells stories. That's a very good episode. It had two seasons. It's mm -hmm. called The Veil. But 
when you said about the original Dracula, I'll tell you, one of the vampires that scared me as a kid, this guy sound funny, was really, it's crazy, but he, he was pretty good. I guess if he would have played the part, he would have done phenomenal. Morgan Friedman, when he did the vegetable vampire in the electric company. Oh yeah. If you look at him, he's a phenomenal vampire. You know which one I'm talking about, right, Mike? Oh yeah. What about you, Joe? What do you think of that? Are you a doctor? Go ahead, Dr. Roberto, go ahead. You've been quiet. I'm I'm listening along. I'm overwhelmed by all this. (laughs) The the Wolfman, that was Lon Chaney, no? Yes, Yes. Lon Chaney Jr. Jr., Jr. Yeah, he was really good in that. He was. He, the he was face the was all scary with the hair. And didn't the, the ski scene change in front of you where he turns into it, like the metamorphosis from the yes. man into the wolf man? Yes. That was do very you, dramatic, too. Do you, know, do you know what the guys, they used that? Remember when we were talking, I think, Mike, you were on the show, too, that we were talking about the um, the ghost, the Pepper's ghost effect. That's what yes. they did with, yes. with how they transformed uh, the wolf man. That was um, no, they actually with that it was more stop. They would stop the camera, do another part of it. it. Took I think about you might correct me, Joe, but I think it was like ten hours for them to do that conversion. On which was it for the Wolfman? Yeah, I I, I know it was a long time. I, I'm I'm I don't know the exact number, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it took a while, and that was a very, you know. If you very good piece the of technology for that time, you know, on on how they did it. it you know, because you got to remember, we're so used to seeing special effects now. You know, at that time, stuff like that really wasn't seen. Well, but Joe, you know, that's that same technique is kind of used predated. If you think of uh, the uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the original version, uh, not the silent, but the original sound version, uh, they did the same type of transformation for him in that version. And so they took it to another level with Lon Chaney. And, and yeah, because re- I just seen the. I just watched the uh, actually for the first time the 1931 version. Frederick March, yeah, and it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't too. It didn't seem like they used too much in it. I mean, it was more intricate with the Wolfman one, but yeah, it, it seemed like they used it for that. And I tell you what, you know, speaking of that, that was the first time I've seen the the silent one a few times, but that was the first time I seen the uh, the talking version. And, and man, was that a good? I tell you, that was such a good movie. Oh man, oh, it was. You know, mm-hmm. and the the silent one's a classic, and I'll always love that one. But man, the the thirty one version is just you you can't beat that. It, well, it Frederick is... March won the Academy Award for that as being Doctor Jekyll. Yeah, I, I mean, he played. I mean, Mike. he was so hideous as Doctor Jekyll and such an evil, evil person. I felt so bad for the girl the way he was training. Her. Yes. <laughs> oh, that poor girl. You know, he was just, oh, just oh, horrible, yeah. man. And, I, just the way his teeth looked, and you know, I tell you what, yeah. that was, love that movie. It is definitely now one of my favorites. I'm so glad I got a chance to to see it. Yeah, hey, Mike, Mike, film. you're killing me here. You actually corrected me in that thing. I could have sworn that the Pepper Skulls was used in the Lon Chaney transformation. Now, don't you guys agree on this? That the scariest vampire film, when I'm saying scary, that it really kind of is creepy. Is Nosferatu when you see him coming in the dark shadow in the night? Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Was I, that that silent movie? Uh huh. He had yeah, a really scary face. Yeah, scary fangs. That's correct. Nosferatu, I think, because of the lack of light and stuff, the way they did it, it that thing is really kind of scary. It reminds me of the uh, Alfred Hitchcock when they were going to kill somebody. That all of a sudden you saw a shadow and you saw the knife going in and out of the person in the shadow. And he scared the hell out of you. You know, well, that's because, all that, that German expressionist. Yes. You know, they, they, are, they do a lot with, you know, light and shadowing and all that. And it just, I, I always liked it. it. It, you know, it always adds to the, the horror element. And even, you know, Val Luton used a lot of that. Oh, you know, yeah. With the, the shadows. And, you know, his movies, are, you didn't see a lot of special effects. But just the way that he used the shadows and, and the lighting, it. It, like with cat people, yeah. Oh, cat people! It was. Oh my fantastic. gosh! <laughs> yeah. You guys remember the girl? What was her name in Cat People? Um, oh, uh, Bazinki something. Uh, I have to look it up because yeah, I can't. Yeah. Oh, she was so pretty. You know, it's so funny. I'm watching the blacklist on TV. Oh and yeah. One of the villains is this lady, and my wife says to me, "Do you know who that older lady is?" And I said, "Who?" 
I think Mazinski or something, something was her name. And I go yeah, to her. Simone name. Simon. No, no, I'm talking about, uh, we're talking about cat people from the 80s. Oh, seven. no, no, we're talking about the original. No, no the 1940s. Oh, okay, no, 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 no. I was talking about uh, the one later that I fell in love with the girl. And when I saw her now, I'm like, oh my gosh, time hit her with a bomb. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's cat people in the 80s. That's the one that had the David Bowie song in it. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your name, though? What's the actress? Do you, do you have a Joe on your computer there? What's Natasha the Kinski. Yeah, Natasha I just looked Kinsky. it up. Oh, Natasha oh, right, oh, I right. don't remember that. Yeah. What was that movie where Kim Novak was in it, where she plays like a witch and then she turns into a cat? And Jimmy Bell, Stewart Book and was in the movie. What's it called? Bell, Book, and Candle. Okay, so that was like a kind of humor. When did these horror movies to get humorous? Like, was that in the sixth? No, that was in Abbott and Costello time. That's I think Abbott and Costello was the first horror film they did that was kind of funny. And that was the Meet Frankenstein. Am I correct, uh, Mike? I Well, Joe would know, but I think Joe does. What about Jack Benny and Rochester in the haunted, their haunted house episodes, movies? Were those predated? Oh, yeah. Right. You, know, those- you, could, you could look back into the the silent era and find some, some horror comedies. It, it wasn't as prevalent as it started to get with... I, I think Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Really right, that was the king. Yeah, but there was there Buster was some fire to that. And... Buster Keaton, I forgot in the haunted house. Buster Keaton. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know something, guys? Do you, you know Buster Keaton is that guy in the Little Rascals when they come in and they're trying to, you know, do the uh, the music and they're trying to sing. They they want to rehearse, and then there's this guy that his hair blows up in the air. That's Buster Keaton. Huh. I I'm not Little Rascals guy, so I don't know. Okay, but that, that is hilarious. I mean, Buster Keaton was around for long. Yeah, he did The Haunted House. That's a pretty good film, by the way. I watched that. Huh. So let's go to uh, Dr. Roberto. Out of the uh, the six films that I, I listed, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Wolfman, and Creature from the Black Lagoon, what is what is your favorite out of those that list? Well, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, that was in the 50s. I relate more to that, but the, but the Frankenstein movie, I mean, I, how are you going to beat that? That was yeah. unbelievable. I, I tell you what, I you know, it's Dracula is always my favorite, but but Frankenstein, it, it's a very close second. And the one thing I really love in there is the 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 mad scientist. <laughs> you know, room in, in that castle with all the buzzing and the electrodes. Oh, it's and, alive. Yeah, yeah oh, man, is that cool or what? I mean, who didn't watch that movie and, and say, yep, I'm building that in my basement. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> and then I think when we relate that, because we watched Young Frankenstein years later, so he kind of bookended the whole thing with those two. So if you saw the original, then you see Young Frankenstein. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I, guys- I, tell, you, I tell you what, and out of, out of those movies... You know, like you mentioned, Creature from the Black Lagoon, that you you related to that. And when I first saw all these movies, you know, 20 some years ago, Creature, I, I didn't really care for it too much for, for some reason. But, you know, over the years, just, you know, watching it, I, I started really liking it more. And you start, when you watch him, you start really feeling bad for the creature because oh, you know, yeah. he's, he's taken out of his, his home. And he's put on display for everyone to watch and treated horribly, you know, shocked and all that. And you're like, oh, but I mean, you could you could look at all these characters and really, you know, kind of feel sorry for them, except for maybe Dracula, because he's just, you know, evil from start to finish. But what was funny about these movies, there was always like a pretty girl in it, too. Always. Oh, you have to, man. Sex sells, man. And, you know, just know, like it but... does today, back then, it's the same thing. You got to have, I mean, look at, at going back to Dracula, his three wives. How, how beautiful were they, you know, walking through the crypt? <laughs> yeah, but blame Todd for not protecting the creature, though. He had the domain down there with the sea monkeys, right? Yeah, he needs to make well, a little. <laughs> Todd, if you're listening, we need a little creature to put in the bottom of our, our sea monkey uh, aquarium. Yeah, that's right. We do. We do. So Julie Eddie, Adams, Eddie, Julie Adams your... was so iconic in that white swimsuit, too, wasn't she? What's that? Julie Adams in the original Creature in that white oh, swimsuit. Yeah. I tell you what, I, I met her at Monster Bash a few years ago and got an autograph oh. of her and Rico Browning. And she was just, she was so sweet. Rico Browning, Browning was such a, a great person, too. I mean, they you know, they were up in their 80s at the time, but they were just... I mean, fantastic. They took the time to talk to each fan that came up and took pictures with them, signed awesome. sign whatever they wanted. I mean, at, 
absolutely fantastic people, you know, and it's sad that Julie Adams passed away. And I think Rico Browning still, still, yeah, Rico Browning still around. He, um, he was sick a, a little while back. I, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Over the summer. And, um, actually, uh, on monster bash website, they had a, um, his address that you were able to send them a card. So I was, I sent him a card and I followed up on the monster bash news page. And they were saying that they were getting hundreds of cards a day. For wow. Him. You know, his character, you know, and his acting that so many people still love him, you know, what 70 years later, you know, after the, the first movie and, and he's in his late eighties and he's getting this much love. So that was, that was really touching to see that he's getting, you know, hundreds of cards a, a day. So I'm sure that that really helped him out and gave him, you know, that extra energy he needed to, to beat whatever well, illness he, he had. So, and also as all his other accomplishments, I mean, he did Thunderball with Sean Connery. He was the choreographer for all the underwater fight sequences. He just has a vast, a vast history. So he has a big fan base in many different areas. Well, Absolutely. So I'm Eddie, gonna, we're going to, we're going to go over to you. What you haven't told us, what's your favorite of the, the six? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I obviously have to admit it's Dracula and, and Frankenstein coming in second and, and probably the creature in third. Um, I'm not too fond of the mummy, but I'm going to tell you guys one thing that, you know, and, and in saying this, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my friend, Jim, who's going to make this possible and Charlie. And also to my little grandson, Lucas, he's become a listener of the show. Oh, here's the best part that I'm going to tell you guys right now. Lucas, we're very sorry for for you having Eddie as a grandfather, and we, we feel your pain. So just just know that that we are we're with you, man. We we're, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Uh, the, the best part is that we had told a story, a kind of frightening story, a while back, where there was a ranch that I, Jim and his family owned in Pennsylvania, and apparently the ranch. There was always this legendary ghost story about the man in the brown derby hat. At first, when he said derby, I associated Costello with the hat. That's the first thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Mind. But the whole thing is, yes, the, the place burned down. And he told me that the picture of the guy originally, he had this beer like Wolverine because it's like from the 1900s, whatever, early 1900s. And um, he was he's trying to find me the picture in his family place because the place burned down. The only thing that was found, of course, in the field, along with some charred remains, is that was a brown derby hat. Now, the funny thing about this is that he says, I think one of his sisters might have it or stuff. So he's trying to get it where I would put it in display in my uh, in my little collection there, because I think it will be phenomenal. But this will start out. Well, we're going to now turn it over to Mr. Mike Mesmer here and uh, see what stories he's got. I, I hear he's got, been doing some ghost hunting. I heard, I'm not true. I don't know about this, but I heard he was able to actually grab Houdini in one of those hauntings. Uh, uh, go ahead, Mike. Well, not Houdini, but, but I, I actually, I I'm so excited because honestly, I've just uh, signed with a publisher on East coast uh, to write a book on my ghost hunting adventures. So really excited. That won't be till 2023 that'll be coming out. But yeah, with Halloween coming up, of course, all the spirit energy is really heightened and a lot of crazy stuff is happening right now. And uh, so I've had some really amazing adventures. You know, Doctor, you were talking about Star Trek. And um, are you a Star Trek fan? Well, no, I actually grew up in that time. We would watch it. I think it was on Thursday nights, like nine o'clock or something. It was on so later. Yeah, so, and then they moved it to Friday. Eventually, and it killed it. It was the just third like season. a huge deal. What was so interesting to me was is that they were all on the ship together, and I never realized it at the time. But you had this eclectic group of people. You had the captain. You had um, Spock. You had the Russian guy. You had Sulu. You had Uhura. It's like all these different cultures together, and they were all working. You know, I didn't realize it was really during the civil rights time. So it kind of probably had some political implications. Well, it definitely did. But also, you know, one thing, too, Vulcans are all vegan, which now, of course, is a big thing. So it was way ahead of its time that way. I think it was a huge. You know, you were talking about monsters before. I hear you felt sympathetic. That was the whole thing with Spock. Spock didn't fit there. And people identified with him because yes. he didn't fit into things. And he was... Uh, he had so many interesting scenes where he would, there, there were times he would break down, he would cry, he would talk about his mother, he fell in love in one scene. It was like, I, I don't know, he was the, everybody identified with him. He was Kirk wonderful. was easy, Kirk was the hero, but there was just everybody identified with Spock. 
And of course, they have. I, I, I was going to mention a ghost story and attach that, but I was going to say also, of course, there's a really classic Star Trek story that's perfect for kids to watch on Halloween, which is Cat's Paw. Joe, you probably know about Cat that episode. Which one is it? Cat's Paw. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With the one where the, where they have on it and a wizard. Yes, and there's a giant cat, and there's right, and it, it's scary. There's spooky, and they're in a dungeon, and there's there's skulls and skeletons, and it's a great one for Halloween. There's but there's a. The, the it's, end of the episode, they turn into like insects or something. Little puppets, yeah, like little puppet things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great one for Halloween. There's a lot of good Star Trek Halloween episodes. But I was going to say, just to just to reply to Eddie's comment about ghost hunting, I'll tell a quick ghost story. Um, and I this is one of my favorite ghost stories, although I'm going to be writing thousands and thousands of words on ghost stories that I've, I've really done a lot of hunts. And really, this summer, incredible things have a lot of interesting things. But... This one happened before I was actually ghost hunting. I was in Las Vegas. Uh, I did a convention there every year for a fair convention. I actually sell my show for fairs. And uh, they had the Star Trek experience. I don't know if any of you ever visited that in the Hilton Hotel in Vegas. But what happened was that I would always stop there at the last day of the convention when I would leave because my son and I, my son was a big Star Trek fan, still is. His name's Wesley. And um, he, um, he loves Star Trek. So one night, and my daughter's a big Trek fan also, Ilea, but one night I was leaving there at the end of the convention. I bought souvenirs. I took them with me. I was standing outside waiting to go across the parking structure, and it was freezing out there. And all of a sudden, a person came up to me next to me, a young lady, and she said, um, hey, you know, I see we're at Star Trek Experience. You know, I was on Star Trek. I said, oh, really? I looked at her and said, yeah, my name's Kelly, and I was on Enterprise. And uh, that was the series at the time with Scott Bakula and those people. So anyway, I thought, oh, great. So then a car came by. I turned my head, looked back. She wasn't there, but it was cold. I thought maybe she went back in the hotel to wait or whatever. So I walked across, drove home three and a half hours. And when I got home, Wes was waiting up and he said, Dad, I got the latest issue of Star Trek magazine. Would you like to look at it? I said, sure. And I gave him his present, which was some cool slot. Actually, they were uh, stills from Star Trek, one of the Star Trek series. Anyway, I open it up. I get to the last page and you're never going to believe this, but it's absolutely true. There was an obituary and the lady that I had just seen three and a half hours before who was in Star Trek had passed away two months before. Oh, Wow. Maybe you want to bag the souvenirs that you yeah. had just bought. <laughs> you, you should have asked her, say, hey, if you want them back, you know, leave me alone. Really, really. <laughs> but can you imagine that? And that is an absolutely true story. I saw her three and a half hours before, and she had passed away two months prior to that. Well, you know, Michael, you talked about, you know, the, the veil thinning, and I actually had a little experience. Um, what was it? I think it was Monday. I was I was in my my basement. I was actually I was getting ready for work and I was grabbing a shirt out of the dryer. So like kind of in my my basement, you know, I have a, a treadmill kind of right on the way to the the dryer that you have to walk around. And I grab my shirt and I'm kind of you know walking with my head down, watching where I'm going. And kind of out of the corner of my eye, I seen this white, brown, and black dog run across the room into a darkened section of the basement where I keep a lot of like my camping stuff. So I thought it was my, my toy Fox. Cause he, he likes to sneak downstairs when I'm there and he'll, he'll run around and he'll, he'll, you know, cause all kinds of mischief. Yeah. So I thought it was him. So I, I, I clearly seen this and it was like a, a streak kind of. And I wow. said, you know, I said, what the heck's he doing? So I'm looking over there. I, I didn't see him. So I went, Hey, and usually when I do that, he'll come running out. Cause he knows, you know, he's in trouble and I did that and he didn't come out and I'm, I go over there. I turn on the light. And I'm looking around. Nothing's over there. And <sighs> like all the hairs on, in my whole body just stood up on edge. I'm like, what the heck? So I went to the bottom of the steps. I yelled upstairs for him and I heard his feet running across the kitchen. He comes to the top of the steps and he's looking down. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So I hurried up and called my wife and told her, I'm like, Hey, I, I just seen, I don't know if this was, a ghost because we've had past dogs that have died that were white brown and black i said i don't know if this was a ghost or residual energy or something that's around i said but this is what i saw and she said you know what she goes i she goes i've been seeing the last few days when i go to feed the dogs she goes i've been seeing rocco run into the the from the kitchen into the living room now when we had him he was another toy fox he was real small he was black and brown and anytime we would get the dishes ready to feed him, 
he would run from the kitchen into the living room and he would go sit on one of the chairs with his toy and, you know, he would wait to be fed. So she said that she kept seeing, you know, a streak of this little black dog running from the kitchen into the living room. And I said, it's got to be the veil lifting, man. It's, it's that time of year for this stuff. Well, you know, you must treat your animals very well because if they want to come continue to spend time with you, then that's a great uh, tribute to you and your wife uh, in the sense that uh, that's why they do that because they love being with you. They don't want to leave you. They're happy with you. You treated them well and they want to stay there. So that's really quite nice. You know, I, I, I kind of think that that's, you know, part of it because we do treat our the animals get treated better than we do. There you go. But you know what? I, I, you know, just reading a little bit into to paranormal stuff, I'm, I'm wondering if this is some type of residual energy that's, that's left over. Cause you know, energy never dies. And when you're, you're moving, you're exhibiting energy and your your consciousness and, you know, all that stuff going into it. I'm just wondering if this is just, you know, some residual energy, if there's something to do with maybe the timeline, if, you know, this is just, you know, a timeline slip where, you know, we're seeing this happen. You know, it could be a, a lot of different things, I, I, I think, you know, and I, I don't know if we'll ever know, but I like to think that it's, you know, our dog still, you know, maybe coming around and, uh, Joe, you know, Joe, you, I, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Joe, what, one second, Joe. Could it be maybe? Did you see a man afterwards walking out of your house or something? Could have been the wolf man, you know. It could have <laughs> been you coming I mean, to steal my stuff. I mean, the, the whole thing you got <laughs> trying to get my cereal boxes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I was, like, hey, Andy, what are you doing taking my cereal boxes? I'm just a ghost. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I took your quiz box, Joe. Yeah, yeah quiz. Yeah. You took my I will tell you, though, Joe. I will tell you, Joe, that that <laughs> spirits that I encounter, um, they, I, th- I believe that they don't know that they're do- gone, and I think that's probably the same with animals. They probably just don't know they're gone. They st- think they're still there, still with you. I, I, I found that with most spirits. There's a movie called The Others with Nicole Kidman. Oh and, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. And in that movie, the whole premise is that they, she thinks she's <laughs> that you think she's alive with her kids, but in the end, she's really the ghost. And I think that's really what I found, that they don't know they're gone. They don't know they're dead. They're still here, and they just haven't moved on for whatever reason. And they think they're just still part of what we are. Well, now, now, Michael, what do you think about a timeline slip? Do you, Like an alternate timeline where it's kind of slipping into our reality, and in that other timeline, you know, that dog actually is running, you know, because he is alive in that timeline, and he's, you know, doing what he – you know, usually does, but some of that energy is kind of leaking over, you know, into ours because there is so much, you know, leftover energy still in this timeline. Well, I think there's something to do with dimensions in that situation as well, because I think different vibrations set up different realities in our dimensions. There's multiple dimensions. That's my thinking on that. Well, Michael, Michael, best. Can I say one thing? Mike, the best Star Trek episode, the city on the edge of forever. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Kirk says at the end, what did he say? I can't remember right he now. He said, thinking. after they corrected everything, he said, let's get the hell out of here. That's right. <laughs> and that was the first time there was a curse on television. And the other thing, the first, this is why they were so out of their time. It was the first interracial kiss. He had to kiss Uhura on one of the episodes. Remember that? Yeah, Plato's stepchildren. Mm-hmm. It was like huge. Everybody's talking about it. All right, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's right. But you, know, you, know, you wouldn't have wanted to kiss her, though. I, I mean, all those women on there, they were all beautiful. To, she was married to Gene Roddenberry, wasn't Well, she in City on the Edge of Forever, you had Joan Collins. I mean, she's hot. She I was actually unbelievable. Took, I actually yeah. had a photo with Joan a few years back, and I was able to – I slipped my hand down on her behind, actually. I have wow. to admit. How is it? Pretty loose now. There. yeah no she's she's looking she's in her 80s and she looks amazing you you would love to take her out for a date she looks amazing I, well you were talking about alternate time warp remember on the city the edge of forever where there were two possibilities of what was going to happen and somehow um how did spock ever figure out what's going on on, on his well already had it was on his tricorder like what is he connected to there were no satellites then well, he had, I think it had a memory memory banks in it, probably. And Something. then he remember and he made a computer. He made a computer out of out of things like TV parts or whatever right, right. they were. And and he, he was able to activate that tricorder. And right. so he he must have. I, well, he remember he was recording. If you recall, he was recording what was going on in the Guardian before he jumped through. 
Right. That was well, unbelievable. That was the best episode. Well, now, Doc, that you, was originally... Doc, you didn't see the, the Verizon and AT&T satellites in the, the background there? <laughs> no, wait. One <laughs> second, guys. One second. You guys got to bring science into this. You know the theory of relativity with Einstein does mention that time itself doesn't really exist, but there's different like dimensions of it at the same time or something. I don't really quite remember, but I remember hearing about it and reading a little bit about it. Right. We only understand linear time, but time may not be linear. That's Spock exactly was, what Spock Einstein was explain this to us. Oh, definitely. We got to get Spock over here. Uh, you think you can bring him up, Mike? <laughs> well, you know, I actually won a world uh, most valuable trekker on the Harrison Icons Network because <laughs> I was Mr. Spock in my photo. So, well, hey, hey, Doc, what do you think an alternate timeline Eddie is like? What, what would your. Well, oh, no, I was uh, talking to him. Run me into it. Oh, wait, slow down. You know, I talked to him like five times a day. So I'm talking to him while I'm driving home. And I said, your problem is, is that you live in this other dimension, this other world with all the ghouls <laughs> and the monsters. And then you have to keep coming back to the planet because you have to work. You have to take care of your family. He's got all these responsibilities. I said, your life is completely exhausting. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Like, he'll get two hours of sleep a night and then he'll go to work. Like, I don't know how you do it. And then he'll keep going on and on forever. He there never stops. The stories don't end. I, I don't know. Maybe he's an alien. Well, Eddie <laughs> might be a might be a member of the undead for all we know. Yeah, I, I well, you're not supposed Eddie. to tell the people, Michael. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, there was nobody in New York City like you in the 1960s when you grew up. There was nobody in your neighborhood like you. Nobody was interested in that. They were playing handball. They were holding up uh, candy stores. You were in a completely different universe. The doc must be giving you special shots to keep you going. That's why you guys are close friends. Oh, right. No, no, no. You can't, I can't keep up with them. <laughs> oh, my. You're giving them B12 injections every day. Usually, you know, they last a few months for normal people. But for Eddie, he needs them daily. So he's like, hey, doc, another injection. I yes, my Frankenstein like, monster. He's got so much energy because the reality of his dreams is finally coming true. And now he has <laughs> thousands of people listening to him and buying his cereal boxes. <laughs> hey, I didn't buy him for nothing, you know. I had an idea ready when I was a kid. Did you think it was going to be worth something, an empty cereal box? Or you just had L to Listen, when I look back at, at things now, like, for example, a good example, yeah. the game Gunfight at OK Corral. Right. One of my favorite games ever. And when you look at stuff like that, or even Planet of the Apes Treehouse that I have in mint condition, oh yes. boy, and that is selling for se one guy's asking three thousand bucks, yeah. one guy's asking seven hundred, yeah. And I, I say to myself, my gosh, and my mom didn't want to pay the twenty bucks; she should have bought <laughs> two of them. Yeah. If you sold this, it would be like selling your children. You can't let go of this stuff. You would regret it forever. You know he can, what? He would probably, probably sell his children before his collectibles. <laughs> yeah, probably, you know. Hey, <laughs> especially my monster ghost, man. Oh, uh, that would be, yeah. Now, Eddie, now here, here's the ultimate question. And everybody cut out there to take a drink. Would you trade one of your kids for the robot monster plans? <laughs> wow, Ooh, that's a hard question. That's a tough one. <laughs> you, put me on a, you put me on the spot there, man. Does he know the story about that? How close you came? Does he know that? Oh, we all know the story about uh, that three times over. <laughs> the best part of this story, and I never forgot it. He tells the guy, here's where he blows his cool. He said, I'll give you $1,000. Let me look at it. <laughs> wow. Of course, you blew the whole thing. This is how out of his mind and crazy he got over it. It was beyond reality. Well, the, pro the problem is that only, I think only the one guy that I know has him. The reason I know is because, of course, yeah, he's Matt, out Matt, there listening, Eddie. Don't say anything. Yeah, and he's probably laughing. He's like, well, <laughs> I got Mel it right Mel where I want him. No, Mail Order Mysteries has just been published. The year is 2011. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking the book, and I go to this uh, flea market where this guy was every week. Oh, Eddie, don't tell this story. The guy's listening. He's going he's gonna to do something, that guy. And now we'll <laughs> never get it from him. We got to go over there with Joe and his police car, and we'll get it one day. 
Yeah, yeah we'll beat, beat him story. up or something. You, you, know? need, you need Michael Mesmer there to hypnotize him to say, you will give the robot monster plans to Eddie for free. That's how we could do it, yeah. yeah. Look into my eyes. Well, you, you can actually do it from California. Don't you do that over the telephone? I do, I do, I do, yeah, Zoom. Yeah, say, so, hey, I, I got someone you need to talk to here. All right, you're not getting through to this guy. Eddie tells me the story, and I understood what the guy is. You will never get through to him. This wow. guy is like, forget about it. You're not going to get through to him. He'll die before he gives you. So I'm going to kill you if you don't give it to me. Then go ahead and kill me. That's the guy. We, we need wow. to hypnotize him then. I'm telling you, no, it's of all people. I mean, the funny thing is he looks at the book and he goes, oh, I got. So, you know, he wasn't even he didn't even know I wanted those plans. Right. So he's showing me, he says, I got the ones you have. I have the other ones, the ones that came. And he explains to me the details. Now, I don't want to say here because anybody listening can probably try to trick me someday, right? Right. So he told the details that only I know whoever really had him knows. And, I, and he goes, yeah, I have him in the thing. And the next thing is like, are you kidding me? He refused to give it to me. I told him one day, Why, how did you get me? He goes, because you're going to make it and sell it. And I go, do you think I'm going to get rich over that? Come on, dude. Yeah. There's he, nothing, there's no reproduction of it? No, no, he wouldn't. Listen, he won't sell me. Uh, he won't even let me look at it. Wow! I'll memorize these. Two. I'll give you a thousand dollars to let me look at. It. Eddie lost it. He was like out of control. <laughs> it's like he, you know, discovered plutonium or something. It was like I, a, I, it was like a cat on cat nip, man. Just yeah. going these are crazy. The, <laughs> these are the best Eddie stories. Like all this weird stuff happened, and he runs into weird characters too that you don't normally find, like people like mm -hmm. who survive atomic holocaust and things, and they're wandering around at flea markets. <laughs> you know you know what's so funny when you say cat you know last year one of the best-selling items out there was a haunted house that was put out i forget i think it's called eek and seek from target for cats it was like a haunted house catnip thing for cats and they were going for 140 bucks on ebay and i'm like are you kidding holy me? crap Okay, Jeez. there's no point in selling any of this stuff. Now, Eddie, if you sell it now, because in 10 years, all these people that are interested in it are either going to be dead or they're going to be in nursing homes. Should you sell it now or no? I think I, I got another 10, 15 years before I could start. I mean, because you figure everybody that grew up in our age is either between 50 and 65 years old. Yeah. Right? So we're still the baby boomers generation was, a, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. Now it's the 70s generation, right. and everybody's still out there. I mean, it'll take a while. They're not so, giving up. They're not giving I think in the next 10 years or so, it would be a smart thing to start dismantling because a good example. Well, hold on. I, Before you get into a, a good example here and get too far in, we're gonna, we got to start wrapping it up here because we are at the bottom of the hour. So real quick, though, I want to let everyone know that the new stupid comics magazine came out and it is a Halloween themed cover with Frankenstein's monster, Igor bride of Frankenstein. It's oh. issue number five uh, house of the unusual also has a, a full page ad in the back. So definitely check that out and go over to stupid comics magazine.com. And that's S T O O P I D uh, two ninety nine for the issue. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Everything inside is, is halloween or monster themed and it's some some great artworks and some really funny stuff in there so definitely check that out also we talked about at the top of the the, the podcast you know check out our youtube channel house of the unusual subscribe to our channel like our videos we got new videos tons of them coming out every week uh cryptic classics chuck's corner and you know whatever eddie throws in there some different stuff you know you never know so always check it out house com that is our flagship site you know that's where we we that's where we kind of live there man there's the the forum there which is absolutely fantastic and fun always some great stuff going on in there so make sure you check that out and check out our other podcast too you know we're, we're on all the the platforms out there anything that you listen to apple podcasts um, anchor all of them whatever one that you listen to podcasts on check us out check out our back podcast let us know how we're doing you know go over to the forum and you know give us some you know maybe you want to hear some different subjects or you like a, a subject you want us to to get more into you know let us know there subscribe to our podcast you know and give us a, a nice five-star review if you so choose because we love what we're doing and we're going to continue doing this and we need you guys out there to uh to keep listening to us and we are grateful very very grateful to all of our thousands of listeners out there 
uh, and we're, we're growing every week. So definitely thank you, Dr. Roberto. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, everyone out there, happy Halloween, be safe out there while you're, you're trick or treating, be, be mindful of the uh, other people and vehicles and everything. Make sure you got some, you know, reflective gear on your spooky Halloween costumes and have a great time and make sure you eat tons and tons of candy. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Run Listen, crazy no. and have a nice sugar high. So one thing you forgot to ask, what was Eddie on Halloween? He went as Eddie. Okay. the greatest costume of all <laughs> so, hey guys thanks Superman. for joining us and Superman. we will see you guys yeah we will see you guys next time so good night bye bye now